Vida y Muerte Chat. Welcome to Vida y Muerte Chat. I am your host, Vida y Muerte. Hope you guys are all having a wonderful time. So I want to mention one thing. Thank you guys for kind of listening to the little commercial I have to do in the beginning. That is something that I have to do for this podcast. Um, it will eventually kind of like generate a cash inflow type of a thing if I ever get a bunch of listeners. What I don't have any high expectations on being a millionaire off of this podcast but hey you know you never know you might at least make a buck or two and I'm always down to make a buck or two here and there so that is what that's for you do get kind of paid to do these little segments and later on you can get sponsored by certain companies and then you can get paid even more so thank you guys for having the patience you know and and listening to that funky little commercial thing in the beginning that I have to do mentioning anchor and and about how it's a wonderful podcast which it is it is I don't deny that at all it is a really awesome some podcast I do like it because it's free um gives me the opportunity you know put my stuff on Spotify and things like that for free so definitely down to you know do a commercial here and there and get sponsored later on maybe even get paid later on you never know um but yeah you know so just been here working you know doing tattoos and stuff like that I've had a few touch-ups and a few tattoos that are just kind of continuances so you haven't seen too much of them on my Facebook just because of the fact they are you know, tattoos that are just kind of like getting worked on or they're halfway through their process and we want to wait until they're finished, you know, until we post pictures. So that's definitely why it's been a little bit non-photographic on um, Facebook lately, you know, with that whole situation, just because I have been doing a lot of tattoos that are kind of like halfway in between tattoos. Um, today, though, is going to be a fun day. I get to do a awesome Halloween tattoo and I am super stoked. You guys will have to go in and look on my Instagram and you'll have to go look on my, uh, my Facebook or my TikTok, you know, and stuff like that. And you guys can always kind of find me through a uh, hashtag Vida y Muerte INC or hashtag live die tattoo. Um, Facebook, you can find me under Mariah Tencio on, uh, on TikTok, you can find me under Vida y Muerte underscore inc i think is what i have on that one you know you could you can always find me through like i said hashtag v-i-d-a-y-m-u-e-r-t-e-i-n-c or live die d-i-e tattoo and you could just you know find me all my social media links are basically linked to that so if you guys want to go check out what my juicy new halloween tattoo is going to be you could definitely go check that out it's going to be super fun i am super excited you know and um had some fun this past weekend, you know, had a little mini little vacay for the day anyways up in Albuquerque, had to go deal with some stuff up there and we went to the state fair and stuff and, you know, had a really good time. The only thing I will warn everybody, if you are going to the state fair this year, either eat before you go there or take a good amount of money with you because things are expensive. It is so pricey right now. I got a burger that was on a piece of fry bread I mean, it tasted good. I ain't going to say it didn't, but it was $19 and it was just a patty with green chili and a tomato. There was nothing else on it and it was on a piece of fried bread. And I mean, for $19, I felt completely ripped off. And then, um, in the game area too, I mean, the rides, as long as you get that, you know, you get the mega pass thing where it's $30 and you get your entry fee and, and unlimited rides. That's totally worth it. Definitely do that one. Um, but the games that have like uh, where you pop a balloon with a dart or you, you know, try to flip a bottle and this and that and win a big old stuffy. Oh, my God. 
$5 for one try, $10 for two try. Like who the hell is coming up with these prices? My goodness. I mean, I understand things are getting expensive and there's inflation, but that's highway robbery. I have a better chance going to the casino there and trying to, you know, throw 30 or $40 in the casino and possibly walk out with a lot more, you know, it was, it was insane, you know, cause you know, half those games are totally rigged and you never win hardly anything out of them. And unless you're one of those crazy people who sits there and spends hundreds of dollars to get a stuffy, that's probably only worth about 20, you know, and that's just, that's not my thing. So yeah, definitely. I will say that. Um, if you plan on going to the state fair, definitely be prepared because it is pricey. One beer is like $9 and make sure you have cash because they do not accept credit cards if you want to get a beer. And most of the food stands, they had credit card things. But for some reason, if you wanted to get a beer, you had to uh, pay cash. It was really weird. Um, but no, it was cool though. Other than that, it was really cool. You know, went on a day that it wasn't too hot. We kind of went towards the later part of the day, you know, and it was mellow because it was towards the beginning of it. And yeah, it was really nice. So it had a lot of fun. And then, you know, next day we went hiking for a few miles and tried to get some grouse hunting in. It's the dusky blue grouse in the squirrel season right now. And so trying to get some of that in before I get busy tattooing again and have an amazing, like I said, Halloween tattoo. I cannot wait to do that. I, if everybody... Everybody who knows me and personally knows me knows that I am just, I love Halloween. I was married on Halloween and it's just one of my favorite holidays. And like I said, I really hope this year's Halloween is a lot better. I just, I really hope it is. That'll be a lot of fun, you know, and New Mexico is just crazy. You know, the things that are going on, you know, just even reading our newspaper, I saw something about a, a surgeon who was like, one of the best surgeons that we had in this hospital. He was one of the guys who saved hundreds of lives, accordingly to the report. Well, I don't know if it was hundreds, but he saved a lot of lives. And he um, was, you know, deemed as like a really good doctor. He had a botched situation where a woman sued him, which I'm sorry, but in medical field, there is going to be a situation once in a while where things don't go the way you want them to it's a body, you know, I totally understand that being a tattoo artist, you know, you'll be in the middle of a tattoo and all of a sudden you can't tattoo them anymore because their body's rejecting the ink happened to me even today. You know, I had a tattoo on a young man's chest and he was sitting through it totally fine, but his body just did not want to take the ink anymore. And we had maybe about 30 minutes left in tattooing him and it just was spitting everything out and it would not go in his skin. That is, it's a body, you know, you can never expect it to be a perfect scenario every time you hope it's going to be perfect and you hope things are going to come out good and you hope, but there's always that possibility, you know? And so this happened to this doctor and he ended up getting fired, you know, and stuff like that. But I'm just sitting there like, uh, hopefully we replace this doctor with somebody who's equivalent to him because according to the newspaper and according to other associates, this guy's like, you know, triple board, like certified doctor who could perform a lot of life saving situations that most doctors here in our town could not perform. And we don't have enough vehicles. We don't have enough, uh, um, resources to send people sometimes out because of vehicles being used or the helicopters being used. And we're such a small hospital. We don't have more than one helicopter. We only have, you know, just the one helicopter. And, and so it, it's, interesting that story was an interesting one you know it was definitely one of those ones that makes you makes you question things and then the the estates murder you know it seemed like that dude was also um 
released on that situation. I didn't read the whole article on that, but that was just something that kind of gazed at and looked at. I was like, huh, interesting, you know, and just a lot of crazy things going on. There's a man who is accused of raping his tenant. Like what the hell is going on in New Mexico right now? New Mexico is in a weird, weird stage right now. Like even this, so even this article I came across, it's, it's a sad article because of what is going on in our state with the addiction issues that we have. But you got to find some comical shit in this stuff. You can't just totally dwell on the bad. You know, you got to you got to laugh at things sometimes. So there's this young dude and I he's a kid. He's basically he's 26 years old. You're still you're really young at 26. You're not even really, you know, fully there. I know at 26 I was still didn't even really know what I was going to be doing and all that. And didn't know I was going to be an owner of a business. You know, I never, never thought I, knew that. I was still living, you know, in the projects and just being an at home mom and just kind of surviving, you know? And so this 26 year old drug dealer out of Albuquerque, he's busted of course for drug dealing, but he also has allegations of exotic animals. And when officers go to the house, they actually find one of them. It's an alligator in a tank. But they also got a tip that this guy had a tiger, a baby tiger. First thing that comes to my head is like, (laughs) what crazy South Valley Albuquerque boy was like, I'm going to get me a tiger. I'm going to have me my cocaine. I'm going to, you know, it's like Tony Montana, dude. Like, come on. You're already a major drug dealer. You already have attention on you. Like crazy being a big time drug dealer because this guy was caught with 40 pounds of marijuana 10 pounds of cocaine that is an insane number to have you know it's not the biggest but for one 26 year old guy that that's a pretty big amount of weight right there you know just between those two plus he also had two pounds of heroin on him and they also found forty thousand dollars in cash um But one of their main reasons for going is this idiot probably showed his pet tiger to somebody or somebody mentioned it to somebody. And you know how that goes, you know, a rat was in the situation and they told authorities, hey, this dude has a goddamn tiger in his house in Albuquerque. And so that was like one of the main reasons why they kind of busted him was because of this tiger. And um, they still have not located the tiger at this point. Somehow the guy either felt paranoid enough after whatever happened that he got rid of the tiger or somebody tipped him off, which in our state, you know, not too far fetched. There is so many family connections, so many things like that. Nepotism is at its fullest in this state. So I would not be shocked if somebody didn't tip this guy off too. And he got rid of the tiger before authorities showed up. Should have gotten rid of everything else. I mean, you got rid of a goddamn tiger, disappeared it, could have disappeared your other shit too. But anyways, um, you know, gets popped and they think that this tiger may, you know, Game and Fish thinks it may still be uh, within private hands in New Mexico somewhere or in a nearby state, you know, because this is his pet. They're obviously worth a good amount of money. You know, it's about 60 pounds. They said something like that. So it's a cub. And they're worried because these things turn into 600 pound killing machines. But like I said, I just... I'm just sitting here just baffled, you know, that's some crazy fool in Albuquerque was caught with a tiger, an alligator, and a ass ton of drugs. Like, dude, come on. Like, this is, you can't make this up. You just, you can't make this stuff up. It is ridiculous, you know? And 
then on a kind of a guess you could say a positive note you know in a more interesting situation um I also came across uh, another article, you know, like, like I said, you know, I like to kind of read, this is like my daily thing that I do and I'll read the news, you know, um, I didn't know this, but our attorney general actually, um, has sued a bunch of pharmacies here in New Mexico for opiate issues. And so there's three major chains that are being sued and the lawsuit steams back as far as 2017. These companies are um, selling at levels of severe amounts of painkillers is what they're claiming. And it's really interesting because the three chain stores are, two of them are some of the biggest ones in the country and in the world. You know, they're just, they're huge chain stores. And the other one's pretty decent sized chains in almost every town too. And um, yeah, he's... He is going after these chain stores because of the fact he says that they are just, you know, having a lot of suspicious opiate orders. So they're being investigated by the attorney general. And these companies are saying, you know, like they, they have their own proof, you know, but they are reaping a large amount of profits off of selling addictive drugs to New Mexicans. So this is the attorney general's battle, you know, is that they are addicting New Mexico on opiates, which is not a lie whatsoever. Although, you know, it, it's, it's a mix of different things. Um, but anyways, the company's responses are though, that the pharmacists have a responsibility to fill prescriptions. And for years they have stressed that the treatment of pain is the top medical priority. They're not lying. You know, this is one of the main things for a pharmacy, you know, and their evidence will show on their end, too, that they did not dispense any opiate medications without a prescription from prescribers, which they're right. The pharmacist fills the prescription, but the doctor is the one who writes that prescription. So it comes down to, as well, as the biggest responsible holder for New Mexico, um, having a severe opiate pill addiction, I feel in the beginning, is doctors who were heavily over-prescribing. And I have screamed about this for years, you know what I mean? I have always thought that doctors were severely over-prescribing about five to six years ago, and that is why we are dealing with this severe opiate epidemic right now. I mean, our epidemic is insane when it comes to opiates, you know, it is disgusting. And, um, he said, you know, the attorney general said, you know, that a bunch of other companies here in New Mexico that they have settled with the lawsuit and they have already paid. But these three major companies are not settling and they're being totally scrutinized by this because of that. And which I, you know, I really like the attorney general a lot, but you can't really go after just the pharmacists without going after the damn doctors first. They are the ones who are doing this. But according to the attorney general, he said that there is a single pharmacy in Española that dispensed 12.4 million opiate pills between 2006 and 2019, which, yeah, you know, people say that's a big gap of years. You know, it, it's, it's a lot of pills, but it's a big gap of years. But get this, that is enough to give every man and woman and child in Española 841 pills for that time frame. So do the math, you know, there's 365 days in a year. That's, that's a lot of pills that they're prescribing to people that every single man and woman can have 841 pills within 2006 to 2019. That's a, that's a over prescription to the fullest. That is completely over, uh, prescribing opiates, you know? And I know it's a lot of these older doctors I've noticed that, um, 
they're just kind of dumb to that or they just don't care you know and they get paid really good for selling these pills so they just want to make a paycheck and so the attorney general wants to get this money from these three big companies to kind of help rebuild areas um i'm assuming this means that he wants to build sober living quarters he wants to do free detox wants to do free rehab that's one thing i'm kind of assuming is what this is but now one of the big chain stores lawyers said in his opening statement in a court in New Mexico, um, the policy on opioid prescribing has shifted over the years. And I cannot disagree with this man. I completely agree with this situation. He said that it went from one to encourage aggressive treatment with painkillers to later a position that imposed restrictions on opiate prescribing. This is so true because they definitely would do that. Five to six years ago, they would jump to opiates before they would ever try any other kind of treatment from massage therapy, um, acupuncture, chiropractoring, uh, regular therapy, even medical marijuana. They would push like crazy for you to do opiates before they would prescribe you a medical card for pain. For psychosis, for anxiety, for anything that's a mental situation and you need a medical card, marijuana card for that, it's really easy to get your card for certain things like that. But if you're trying to get a medical card for pain, they definitely push pills on you first and try to get you to get into a pill regimen before they'll even prescribe you marijuana, which to me is baffling and stupid because why are you going to prescribe something that gets people severely hooked, kills the liver, kills the kidneys, ends up killing them at young ages because it just is such havoc on the body instead of just giving them marijuana where it's not as bad. I'm sorry. I don't care what people say. I have known people who have smoked every single day of their life and they're in their late 80s and they are totally fine. No cancer, no nothing. They're healthier than most people. Even if you don't smoke and you want to have healthy lungs, gummies, edibles, stuff like that, it is known that cannabinoids are some of the most healing things that you can have because they are a part of our body too. We have cannabinoids in our body. So yeah, like I said, this is, it's a crazy lawsuit. You know, it, it definitely comes down to that. And that lawyer is right. You know, they definitely shifted it in the last few years, you know, and that's where we're having a severe problem with the underground is because these doctors over prescribed all these people and then took it away from them and expected them to just get clean on their own or just like, Oh, okay, well I don't get that many. Right? Of course not. They went to the streets like, hello, are they stupid? Of course they're going to go to the streets. So, but anyways, due to our attorney general's work here in New Mexico, as of February 2019, a lawsuit that included several retail pharmacies in New Mexico, um, they actually reached a settlement with a number of opiate manufacturers and distributors, and there was a deal of $190 million to the state of New Mexico. Hopefully that's going to all these rehabs and all that. I'm, I'm really hoping I... Don't, I need to look and to see where that $190 million went because that's a lot of money, you know. So hopefully that's going into the system of all of the stuff that we need to kind of fix to get this state back into a normal-ish situation because we are far from normal at this point. And um, in him doing that, you know, there were four large manufacturers he went off and um, including Purdue Pharma maker and they were the ones who made Oxycontin and they ended up filing bankruptcy after this uh, litigation that he had against them so you know good job to the attorney general you know you you 
got rid of one of the biggest poisons in our country, you know? So, no, I'm totally, totally stoked that he did that. And he's still pursuing more of them. And even, I guess, there's a couple other states that are also pursuing a lot of these manufacturers, such as Teva, Agilorin, and KV Tech, which he's actually pursuing now in the Santa Fe courts, and having them do the same thing to where they are putting money back into the state for the issue that their pills are causing in individual states okay so if you guys listen to my podcast before this one you will know that i hate anybody who abuses child like situation like child molesters um child abusers you know they're just they're they're the scum in my eyes they are disgusting you know what i mean and i just I have nothing to do. I, I understand the, the stupid mistakes. You know, some parents will make stupid mistakes. You know, drinking and driving with their kids is a stupid, abusive mistake. Um, partying around their kids, you know, being in a relationship with a man who abuses them. You know, there there are certain situations where it is kind of a hopeless situation, you know, and it is a sad situation. But this situation is fucking disgusting. And I'm sorry, but I will say it like that. You know, uh when the hell is New Mexico going to wake up? You know, I have not all these kids who have already died, like I said, even like little Victoria Martins in Albuquerque, has there not been enough of this already? Like, when is our state going to wake up? And when are we going to start just having much harsher um, laws and much harsher penalties for these people? So this is a story that I read once again in another paper here in New Mexico, you know, and, um, it's a story that is just disgusting, you know, and I've, I've, I, I know people on both sides. Okay. So I have befriended and tattooed people who work with CYFD and know people who work with CFYD. And then I know people who have dealt with CFYD and have had their children taken away. I've even was slightly involved in a situation like that with my stepdaughter and her uh, biological mother and the situation that happened were where we had to take full custody away from this woman because she was dangerous to her children and I don't give a fuck what anybody says she was a danger to her kids and she has to this day never taken care of a single one of them I do not care what anybody thinks and I don't care what you think if you ever hear this you're worthless sorry but anyways um you know the people who work for CFYD, there are some very worthless ones. I will say that. But there are some very good ones, too, you know. And they are completely underpaid. They're completely understaffed. A lot of people don't know that, like, when they have to travel to go out of state. So I didn't even know this until I started, you know, tattooing some, knowing some, talking to some. When they have a situation where a child is almost like made in a newspaper, you know, they won't release the child's name, but they release what happened to the child and who did it to the child. So when this type of a situation happens, they most likely send the child out of state or at least really far away from the situation to where people won't recognize the situation or the child. So these CFYD workers have to travel to New York, California, Arizona, wherever, they have to pay out of their pocket for these trips and then they get paid back, okay? I've even heard stories of ones who got to a certain town and did not have enough money to come back and had to get loans out to come back 
and then were later reimbursed and they are doing their job. It's something that they have to do in order to make that paycheck, but it comes out of their pocket first, you know? And so don't get me wrong. There's a bad seed in everyone. You know, I had to deal with a really, really worthless C, um, CYFD agent, you know, and, and, um, I'm glad that that person does not work for them anymore because he almost got my stepdaughter killed. You know, it literally came down to that, that he literally almost got her killed. And it was a very negligent and horrible situation. I was, uh, the neglect in it was just, uh, it was, it was horrible. So this is kind of something like that too. You know, one thing, um, it, like I said, it's disgusting. So I stumbled across this article and it's coming out of New Mexico and it's coming out of Texaco, New Mexico, which I didn't even know we had a place here called Texaco, but there's a community somewhere here in New Mexico called that. And, um, this is a horrific child abuse case here in New Mexico. Luckily the children are not dead because they were found in time, but former friends and relatives said that they knew for years this place was a house of horrors. Former? Yeah, no. <sighs> There's something that could have been done. That was, it was slightly cowardly in a way, and I understand when things, your hands are tied and authorities, but there's always something you can do. You, you can't just turn your eye to something like this or let it happen and not like continue to like reach out and try to get these children some help. So recently the New Mexico state police got a report that there was hungry children who were living in this house that were physically abused, locked in dog kennels, and more recently chained to their beds. So I guess the chaining of the beds, because they are saying that this stuff has been going on in this house for years, guess the chaining of the bed was finally where, you know, people maybe drew the line or something like that. And they finally felt the need to contact state police finally, which I'm like, you guys should have contacted them years ago. Um, according to the article though, three women are being arrested for this alleged abuse, um, with evidence that they call alleged, you know, but it, they have full on evidence. So there is no alleged is straight abuse. Police recover chains, wooden paddles, even a cell phone with videos showing the abuse of an 11 year old boy in the fetal position chained to his bunk bed. Okay. So luckily higher authority stepped in being the state police. And when they followed up with the police chief of Texaco, they wanted to know why his agency had never found this abuse at the home or followed up on any of these alarming reports that were found, especially the fact that chains were being used to restrain children to their bed. According to the article and court records, it also shows that there is an investigation that's actually been going on on these women as far back as 2016, okay? And there were six children in this home. And... Um, according to the reports on this as well, um, that CFYD actually responded to the home multiple times and even removed the children at, le at least once. They found children in dog cages. Like, how in the fuck these people, I'm sorry, how in the fuck these people got their kids back after CYFD found them in dog cages drives me nuts. These children were starved. These children were abused. They were put in dog cages as well as chained to beds. And yet they still gave these kids back to these women. Are they crazy? Luckily though, state police 
said that they um, started to, you know, investigate every single aspect of this case. And as long as they get enough evidence and they um, can get enough evidence against certain individuals in this case, they are going to pursue charges on other people who never uh, reported this case, even though they knew about what was going on. And even according to the chief of police there in Texaco on a phone interview that he never saw any evidence of abuse, although CFYD contradicts that because they said that they even pulled a child out of a cage. So the fact that the chief told state police investigators last month that he actually, um, knew something like that he acted on it and if he would have known about it he would have acted and given a criminal complaint against them but at the time he felt as though you know cfyd was just kind of targeting these women and and bullying them and picking on them for no reason like are you effing serious there are multiple reports this this article is long it's in one of the biggest newspapers here in new mexico i'm sure you can just type in texaco new mexico and it'll probably pop up you know and and it's like are you serious? Like, my question is, is who is related to who? Because the fact that they have the cop in their back pocket so heavily that he's going, oh, no, 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 CFYD is, you know, picking on these women, even though there are multiple people who are accusing these women and reporting it to the chief of police that they're seeing children chained up to things. And starved and abused and stuff like that and yeah you know so they uh I guess the state police even ended up grilling the chief you know a little bit more and asked him you know like this has been going on for numerous years with CFYD referrals you know and nobody's doing nothing and that's completely baffling to them of how severe the abuse was and that it wasn't until they stepped in that these criminal complaints actually were finally done and the chief came back and tried to clean up his tracks and said you know, maybe they were tipped off by people who told them before they went to go do their visit because they found absolutely nothing wrong with the house. And supposedly um, this was called the house of horrors, according to all the neighbors. This is it was a horrible situation. And so I see where CFYD was maybe like trying to be on a good side because at the time, you know, in their stands, they said, hey, you know, we reported it. We pulled um, them out of the dog cages and, you know, took the children away and having numerous reports go through the courts. But again, you know, is it, are they passing it to the courts and then the courts are just letting them go and the children are getting returned because the children did get returned or is the CFYD slacking? You know, that's who knows on that one. So, um, you know, everything just kind of conflicts with each other in these reports. Nothing makes sense according to state police that their reports are just completely, um, you know, contradicting towards each other and this is one thing too in this article this is kind of the kicker of the situation you know um makes a lot of sense one of the women uh woman woman one of the women who got arrested for this situation has guardianship over three of the six children who are found in the care the boy who is 11 uh receives social security disability so the boy that they had chained to the bed is disabled in some way and she's making money off of him and completely torturing him as she sits back and makes a fat paycheck um it's like go to figure you know and then she has two nieces age 14 and 15 and their mother was charged with child abuse back in 2015 but they were dropped because the woman was found incompetent to stand in trial so those are the three children who were removed from the home back in july i guess 
And there was also a 16-year-old who was staying with authorities and they filed a complaint. The 16-year-old filed a complaint against the women saying that she saw some, or he, they didn't say if it was a he or she, but that they saw uh, a lot of stuff, you know, and and just numerous people, I guess, came forward in interviews saying that they wish they could stop the uh, abuse, but they just couldn't. You know, one said she even provided a photo and took a photo of a wooden kennel that she saw in the home back in 2016 with a pillow and a blanket in it. And she started breaking down in tears, you know, and she said is, you know, this is just this report is disgusting, you know, and even uh, one child, they said, was outside in 25 degree weather in a four by four locked cage. Numerous cases. Um, one woman even confirmed uh, that account uh, in one of the woman's names in this situation in the interview that the woman has cheated the system and the state for many, many years, probably with the disability checks and the adoption of the other children and all that. And the chief of police is actually in her back pocket. So that would make sense why he's trying to cover his tracks, you know, and, uh, that CFID, you know, they just say that they've had abusive reports. And there was even another man who came forward in 2018 and 19 and said that he saw the boy chained to his ankle on a fireplace inside the home. And that he even saw the boy beginning to eat leftover rice from the dog's bowl after the dog had finished eating. Cause he was so hungry. And he said every single time he would call CYFD, somebody would call them and notify them. And the woman would get alerted and would immediately start to clean up the house, unchain the kids and stuff like that. And so CFYD claimed that they didn't really know until one time that they did, you know, kind of see it and they took the kids away, but somehow they gave the kids back. And even CYFD's, um, a statement towards the situation is completely cold and just a corporate written up letter that they have to probably give to every situation like this. It has no, no nothing behind it, you know, but it's, it's just, it's like, wake up New Mexico. You know, how many of these children are going to get abused? How many of these children are going to be dead before we start really prosecuting these people? These women for having a child chained up for having a disabled child, um, just for a paycheck, you know what I mean? Or even adopting your sister's kids. Cause from what it seems like it's a sister's kids, you know, kind of a situation where she adopted them. Cause the sister was abusive. Like if you're going to adopt them, take care of them. If not fucking go to work and get a job. If you want money, like quit using these children as your jumping point to get money. It's insane. You know, it's, I, that is just another story that just completely, pissed me off I was pissed when I read that story because it is pages long and the amount of evidence and the fact that they probably are already out of jail I I wouldn't be shocked if these women you know don't get just a pretty light charge because all the children were still alive even though they were being abused they were still alive so I mean poor little Victoria Martins her like I said, her mom only got like 13 years for allowing her daughter to be in that situation. So the fact that that girl was burned, decapitated, murdered, raped, whatever, these children are all still alive. So I'm, I'm assuming these women are probably going to get a slap on the hand, but yep, goes to show, you know, just the nepotism around here and it just runs really deep. You know, it's, it's too deep. Um, and another thing, uh, this is going to be my kind of last part of this podcast and something that I am going to try to plead to New Mexicans because I, I mean, I, I sit there and, you know, I like to have my beer too, you know, and I like to drink too. And, but you know, I only do it once a week, you know, or if I do it multiple times a week, I only have a beer, you know, if I'm going to have like a beer 
two or three times a week that week if I'm tired or whatever. I'll have just a beer, you know, that night. I will not sit there and drink multiple beers every single night. And, you know, I've, I have a lot of people I know who they, they just, it's generations and generations of severe amount of drinking. And so there is a new report that came out and this is in one of the main newspapers here in New Mexico too. And this is kind of my pleading in New Mexico, you know, just kind of put the beer down once in a while, put the alcohol down once in a while. Cause right now, you know, New Mexicans are dying at a higher rate of alcohol than anywhere else in the country. We are literally number one for alcohol related death. And it is literally three times higher than the national average. That is really, really high. And, you know, just New Mexicans are dying at a much higher rate than anybody else in the country from alcoholism. Right now we have one in five deaths of working age New Mexicans is now directly linked to alcohol. So as my kind of ending segment to this, you know, just remember, you know, kind of put the beer down. Or if you have a friend who's having problems with alcoholism and they themselves cannot get away from it, try to encourage them and help them to get away from it. Instead of sitting there and drinking the beer with them, take them and do something sober with them, you know, do something because it is a huge pandemic here in New Mexico. Alcoholism. Like I said, in this report, this is an actual report in a newspaper, is killing New Mexicans quicker than COVID did in the first year of the pandemic. In 2020, more people under the age of 65 died of alcoholism than they did of COVID. That is insane. You know what I mean? That just, that right there alone goes to tell you the numbers. People saw how many people died during that situation. Yes, a lot of them were elderly, but more young people died of drinking alcohol during that first year than old people who were susceptible to one of the world's worst diseases to hit this planet according to all the statistics you know I don't, maybe monkeypox is a little worse now who knows but at the time you know it was the most dangerous most deadliest situation that the whole world had ever dealt with in many many years and yet, New Mexico had more people of younger age die of alcohol-related deaths. So, reach out. If you have a problem, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help and try to save yourself so that you can save yourself for you to live a better life. Also, for you to be around for those who care about you. Because I have seen a lot of families just get completely ripped up by a younger person dying of alcoholism. So, you know, New Mexico just, like I said... Put the beer down, put that down, you know, drink some water instead, drink some tea or, you know, just lessen the amount because we need to start taking care of our livers. New Mexico, we just, we love to drink a little too much. We love to eat our good food a little too much and it's definitely showing, you know, especially the alcohol, it, it needs to get a curb. You know, I for sure thought that probably meth and heroin and all that stuff was killing more people and no, I come to read this article and alcohol kills more people than all three of the major drugs combined in our state. So New Mexico, like I said, we got to wake up. We got to start changing things. So like I said, I hope all you guys have a wonderful day and I will be hitting you guys back on another podcast probably in another few days. You know, I've been doing them 
as much as I possibly can, you know, and still being able to do all my other stuff and things like that. But I am definitely getting back on it. I'm going to try to make it as most scheduled as possible and, you know, just kind of give my opinions, talk about me and talk about the news and what's going on and my opinions on the news and what's been up in my life and what's going on. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful time and um, much love to everybody who's listening to this. Talk to you next time. This is Vida y Muerte with Vida y Muerte Chat. You guys have a good one. Vida y Muerte Chat.